without any further ado, I'd love to welcome my good friend, Dr. Richard William. Please come and just blow it up. Okay. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I'm from Singapore. Um, born and born and raised in Singapore. Uh, pastored in Singapore and uh, have a ministry there called History Maker International. I launched from Singapore into about 17 countries all over Asia. And uh, about five years ago, just like Pastor Andrew, God called me to come to the U.S. Okay, I'm not interested in the United States passport because mine is very good. Okay, the reason why I came is because I believe God wants to touch America. The greatest days of America is not behind, but in front. Because American missionaries have gone all over the world and sown their lives and given their lives. So I believe that part of me, Pastor Andrew and his wife, coming back here is God bringing the nations back to sow into America. Hallelujah. Because the greatest days of America is ahead of us. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm very excited to be here. Let me just tell you a little testimony about my conversion experience. I had three encounters with Jesus. And uh, the second one was most life-changing. I was 16 years old. And I was in a part of a military school at that time. And and, uh, we were doing some training in Malaysia. Cut a long story short. One day we all decided to swim across the river which is over 100 feet, and I did not know, but I was swimming straight towards a current. And I was in the center of the river, and this current started to pull me down. And and I, I knew that I was going to die because there was no way out. And I could see my friends at a distance, but there was no way they could rescue me because it was so strong, and it was just pulling me down. And, you know, it's a good time to talk to Jesus when you're in trouble. Hallelujah. So I thought, you know, it'd be a good time now to talk to him. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, this will be a good time for you to show up. But in case you are busy, I'm coming. And I'm coming real fast. You know, and, and I thought I was going to die. And, and just before, you know, I had my last couple of breaths, Jesus appeared in the river. And he grabbed a hold of my hands. And he said, you will die one day, but it's not today. And he pulled me out of that river. And that was my second encounter with Jesus. And my friends who were on above the river, they came out and they were looking for a dead body. They thought, you know, he's been gone too long. And somebody told them that a dead body would eventually float. So they were walking down river looking for a dead body. And as they were walking down river, I came out from behind them. And they turned around and they saw me and they thought I was the ghost of Richard William. So they started running, and I started to chase them. You know, funny story. But at the end of the day, all eight of them stood by the riverbed and gave their lives to Jesus. Because they saw a guy who was dead and came back. Hallelujah. Who had no, imp- no way to be saved, but was saved by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. We serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. The greatest days of what we are going to see is ahead of us. I'm telling you, in the last 35 years of my ministry, I've never seen anything like what I'm seeing right now. You know, where darkness is intense, the glory is even more intense. 
Okay? We just have to shift our eyes away from the darkness and start looking at the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight, I want to, I want to share some principles because, you know, as I look at this church, I'm reminded of the church that I had in Singapore, you know, many, many years ago. And I want to just lay some foundation. Today, I want to talk to you about building up your spirit man. Because I believe that, you know, if you learn some principles that you can apply, then you can see real change. Amen? We don't want to just come to church to hear a pep talk. We want to have principles so that we can go out and change. Amen? Things that work. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's what we want to talk about. Building up your spirit, man. So first scripture we want to look at, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40 and 41, it says, There are celestial bodies and there are terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Verse 41, There is one glory of the sun, one of the moon, one glory of the stars, for one star differ from another in glory. So first of all, he's saying that there's a different glory. Okay, there's a glory the human body carries and the glory spirit body carries. Okay? Unfortunately, we spend a lot of our time investing in our natural body. Come on. Okay? We invest a whole lot on our natural body, which is so temporary, but we invest so little on our eternal man. Come on. We invest so little on our spirit man who is for eternity. Think about that. We got something messed up here. Right? So, we need to change our thinking. And then he says, there is the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, the glory of the stars. Even the glory of the stars are different. Right? Why? Because the spiritual body, okay, the spiritual body is a garment of light. Come on. And the garment of light has different degrees. Just like in the natural, okay, we are all not equal. Come on. We wish we could say we are all equal. People claim they are equal, but they are not equal. Come on. We are different based on economics. We are different based on our education. We are different based on many things. Right? So in the spirit, we are also different. But the wonderful thing about the spirit is that we all start equal. Come on. Because God gives us all the same grace. He gives us the same opportunity. You decide how far you want to go. In the spirit, do you want to be a star? Or you want to be a son? You decide. You decide. Come on, you decide. How high you want to go, you decide. How far you want to go, nobody decides, but you decide. Wow, that's wonderful. Hallelujah. You know, I I look at that and I say, that's fair. (laughs) Come on. When I look at somebody like Pastor Andrew, I say, man, he's good looking. (laughs) You know, he's got everything working for him. He's tall, he's big. I mean, he's muscular. He looks like the All Blacks, you know, New Zealand. Every time I look at him, I say, man, did he play rugby there before? Right? And then some people, you know, they look at themselves and they say, man, I'm only four foot two. I wish I had some growth thing going on over here. You know, we say, oh, it's so unfair. Yeah, in the natural, unfortunately, it's unfair. Come on. None of us chose our race, did we? You know, I mean, did we say, okay, I want to be born, you know, such as, no, we didn't. We had no clue where we were going to be born, what country we were going to be born. People are fighting about all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous. Are you with me? Right? But God is so wonderful. Why? Because in the spirit, we are equal. We are equal. There's no difference in the spirit. 
I mean, come on. The devil doesn't care whether you are white skin, yellow skin or no skin. He doesn't care. What he's scared about is your spirit man. If your spirit man is strong, he packs his bag. Come on. He runs if your spirit man is strong. So it's your job to build your spirit man. Okay? God won't build it for you. You got to build it. Are you with me? Whatever pastors are teaching over here, you got to take that and run with it. Hallelujah. You see, I'm just like, you know, I've just come on the sideline just to encourage you. Okay? But this is your real teacher. Right here. Hallelujah. Amen. This is your real spiritual parent that's going to feed you layer by layer, precept by precept, principle by principle. Come on. Right? You can have a hundred guests. It means nothing. Okay, right? You know, it's like, you know, it's like you go to your, your neighbor's house and then you go back to your mom and he says, Mom, you know the neighbor's food is just so awesome. You know what mom will tell you? Stay there. <laughs> mom will say, don't come back home. Just stay there. Right? You never say that. I mean, you're stupid if you say that. Right? What do you say? You always say, Mom, your food is the best. And you know, mom gets motivated and she says, I'm going back into the kitchen. Wow, man, you know, you know, some damage is going to happen. Hallelujah. Right? So you got to keep your principles right. Hallelujah. This is your house. This is your church. Okay? This is your DNA. Hallelujah. There's a destiny. There's a purpose in this church that's unique. Hallelujah. That's for this city. Hallelujah. God's going to use you to touch the city. Hallelujah. I mean, God loves you so much. Just imagine, he's from the ends of the world. Absolutely, absolutely ends of the world. Right? And God brings him all the way here to impact you. Man, God loves you. Think about that. God loves you. He's so crazy about you. Hallelujah. That he, you know, he bring a man of God, a woman of God, all the way from the other side so that he can touch this city. Hallelujah. Just think about that. So appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. Be encouraged by that. You are special. Hallelujah. You are special. Very special. Amen. So how do you build your spirit, man? Let's get into some principles here tonight. Let's look at some examples of how our spirit, man, is developed. And how our spirit, man, amen, grows. Remember this, okay? Nothing is, nothing can grow overnight. Okay? If you, if you plant something and tomorrow morning decide to pluck it out. And then plant it somewhere else. And then the next day pluck it out again. Guess what? After one year, if that thing survives, it will be a miracle. Okay? But forget about bearing fruit. It's not going to bear any fruit. Why? Because it has been dislocated too many times. Right? If its roots are not deep, it's not going to bear fruit. So one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is stay planted. Come on. I always tell people, there's only two ways you can leave a church. One is because the pastor sends you out on a mission. And the other one is because it's your time to go to heaven. There's only two options. Any other option is not of God. Wow, it's quiet. Suddenly it became quiet, pastor. <laughs> okay, I think I hit something here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right? So this is very important that you recognize that. Amen? 
Hallelujah. So in order for you to grow, guess what? You got to stay planted. Okay? And guess what? Because you are family, right? Because you are church family, you will have differences. Natural. Come on. You will have disagreement. You will have those days. Amen? Where you don't feel like church. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Right? I know people who are married, there are days they feel single. Are you with me? They feel like they want to be single. Hey buddy, it's too late. That's over. Right? You already signed on the document. Are you with me? You got children running around with your name. Alright? Game over. Are you with me? I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, Pastor? You got single people who want to be married, married people who want to be single. You got, you got something missing here. I mean, you got be, you are single, be happy. You're married, be happy too. Come on, be in your season of what God calls you to do. Hallelujah. So you are part of this church. Amen. And God's the one that's bringing the people. You know, after a while, you know what? You all start looking like each other. Sounding like each other. Isn't that wonderful? Because why? You will have the same DNA. Hallelujah. And the DNA will flow from this man of God and this woman of God. You will carry that DNA. Hallelujah. And that DNA will break forth in this city. I'm telling you, it will break forth in this city. And it will start drawing people that are similar spirit. Hallelujah. It it won't take long. It will happen. It will come together. Because you know why? In the spirit, it's already happening. Hallelujah. It's already coming to pass. So you got to build your spirit, man. And it's got to be systematic. Amen? Hallelujah. Right? Can you decide? You say, oh, the next one week, I'm not going to eat. No. You say that, you know, the worst things people do is they make resolutions. On January the 1st. I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then they end up getting 50. (laughs) Right? Why? Because they are not, okay, they made no commitment with someone else. They are not being discipled by someone else. If they look at somebody and says, you know, every time I open the fridge, shut it. That's a possibility. Guess what? Because you are accountable. Are you with me? Without that accountability, you're not going to grow. Same in the spirit. You know, find somebody accountable and tell them, you know what? Hey, you see me drifting away in the things of God? Call me, man. Scold me. Are you with me? Keep me accountable. Why? Because I want to reach my destiny. I want to reach the goal that God has for my life. I only live once. I don't have second chance. Come on, I'm not a cat with nine lives. Are you with me? Right? I'm made in the image of God. I only got one chance. And I want to do it right. Hallelujah. Amen. So, it's very important for you to stay connected. Stay committed. This is a decision, a resolution that you make. Hallelujah. God brought you here. You are part of this family and you're going to plunge with this family. You're going to grow with this family. Amen. You're going to build with this family. So let's look at some important principles of, of the spirit man. How, how the spirit man, right? How can we develop the spirit man? I want to give you an example from the Old Testament, from the life of Elisha. 
Right? Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to just run through. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 13. What we see is that Elisha receives the anointing from Elijah. Right? The mantle comes on him and he receives and he carries this anointing. Right? And then immediately after that, in chapter 3, verse 11, we see that 11, 12, and up to 4, 15, verse 15, we see that there is a demand that's placed on Elisha. Okay? The anointing has not manifested yet. And there's a demand placed on him. And these kings are asking, can you hear from us what God is saying? Okay? And what does Elisha do? This is what he does. He said, bring me a musician. Okay? And he asks them to play the music. As the music is being played, he taps into the realm of the spirit. Okay? What God will give you at the beginning is that God will give you a channel to tap into the realm of the spirit. And everybody's channel is different. Come on. For you to tap into the realm of the spirit, you have to use your channel. Come on. Someone's channel may be worship. Another person's channel may be prayer. Come on. But you have to identify your channel. Why? Because when you identify your channel, the anointing always flows. You cannot use someone else's channel. You got to use what God gave you. Come on. And everyone is different. And this is important. Why? Because this is the way you will build your spirit man. Come on. You learn how to identify your spirit man. You know how I learned how to grow in the things of the spirit? Was that 30 years ago, when I came out, you know, uh, into full-time ministry, almost 35 years ago, I came out into full-time ministry and I was just, you know, finished uh, my time in the military. And I told the Lord, where do you want me to go? And he said, I want you to go to China. At that time, the growth of Christianity in China was exploding. But there was a problem in China. They did not have enough Bibles. So the Lord says, I want you to go to China and smuggle Bibles into China. And I said, Lord, I've never even smuggled anything. (laughs) You know, how do I smuggle Bibles? That's like the most difficult thing. It's thick, Lord. It's huge. A single Bible is huge. How do you smuggle a Bible? You know? So I had to, I had to learn. Never done it before. So one of the things that I did was that I learned to pray. In my way of praying, I could learn how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As I pray, the Holy Spirit will tell me, do this, do that. Because there are seven border crossings that you can get into China. So in, in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit will specifically tell me which border to go. What to pack that day and how to bring the Bibles through. Okay? And it was through the prayer that I discovered that. But after I was there for two weeks, I became a leader. Because not many people smuggle long term. They only come in for two times and then they leave. Because it's, you know, you're staying there for an entire year, smuggling every other day. That's pressure. Okay, that's massive pressure. Are you following me? And every day is different. Guess what? If you work out a plan, tomorrow you're going to get caught. Okay? And at that time, when we were smuggling, one page of the Bible, if you get arrested with one page of religious propaganda, you can be thrown in for six months of prison. So imagine, just one Bible can throw you away forever. Are you with me? And you know, China's attitude is that if they catch you, they don't care who you are. It doesn't matter. So after two weeks, I was made a team leader. So I had 20 guys with me. And they all, you know, because I'd been there, they said, can you show us how to smuggle? I said, very simple. This is what you do. You say, Holy Ghost, 
How do I go in today? Holy Spirit, what bag do I pack today? How many Bibles do you want me to take today? And they're like, you asking him too much? Yes, you have to ask him. Because you have no clue what's on the other side. Only he has x-ray vision. He can look at the other side and tell you exactly what's going on. So these guys say, no, 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 you're going to get caught. I say, it doesn't matter, at least I obeyed. You disobeyed and got caught. I obeyed and got caught. So at least I'm better. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. So they all stood next to me and said, okay, you do it and we want to watch you. I said, okay, this is what I do. I said, Holy Ghost. I said, how many Bibles should I take today? And the Holy Ghost is really funny, you know. He just looks at, he looks at me and he says, you know what? Let's show them really today how to follow. So he says, grab the two biggest suitcase you can find. So I grabbed the two biggest suitcase and he said, put 200 Bibles in it. I said, 200 Bibles? That's like a book. That's like a library going through the x-ray machine. It's a literal library. Are you kidding? He said, yes. And just put one piece of cloth over it. One piece. I mean, come on. I had enough Bibles there to send my entire family to jail. Not just me. So these guys, they look at me and they said, we're going to walk very far away from you. We're not going to walk. We're not going to even walk close to you because you get arrested. We're going to get arrested together with you. And you have enough Bibles for everyone. You know, so I walk up to the immigration and the guy looks at me. I give him my passport and he looks at me and he says, so what kind of business do you do? I said, well, I'm a businessman. What business do you do? I said, I do import and export. (laughs) It was literal. Right? I was importing Bibles and exporting communism back to hell where it belongs. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. Right? So, and then he said, okay, then after he sent my passport, he said, can I look at your bags? He says, I don't want you to put through the x-ray machine. I want you to open your bag. So I turn around and all those guys, you know, those 20 guys, they're standing way back there and they're all doing this to me. You know, you're finished, buddy. You know, they, you know they're celebrating, hoping that I get caught. So I open my bag. He puts his hand on the piece of cloth. As he puts his hand on the piece of cloth, he starts talking to me. Just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And I just talk back to him nonsense. And then he looks at me and he says, okay, close your back. He doesn't shift the cloth. He said, close your back. Close your back. And then he helps me carry my bag. While he's carrying it, he tells me, your bag is very heavy. I said, yeah, we tourists carry a lot of rubbish. And then he shakes my hand and he says, have a good time in China. I said, I plan to, thank you. And I walk away. I walk away. I learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I learn to obey the direction of the Holy Spirit. So you got to identify how he speaks to you. Are you with me? There are similarities, but there are also uniqueness. Come on, why? Based on your personality, how he will speak to you. Amen? The Holy Spirit will not tell you something and then it will not happen. Guess what? That's probably you. That was a bad piece of pizza. 
That had nothing to do with him. If he spoke to you, guess what? It will happen. It will happen. It will come to pass, right? So what do we see here? We see the next, right? As Elisha is progressing, this passage is amazing. It says in the next chapter, right? In chapter 4, what we see is that he goes to the, okay, the widow's house, the hen, the widow's house. And when he goes there and this widow is about to die, about to kill herself. Why? Because there are financial crisis. Her sons are about to be taken. Right? So he doesn't go there and he doesn't say, you know, a woman is in trouble. He doesn't look at the widow and say, okay, do you have a music instrument? Because we need to worship. He doesn't. Why? Because, guess what? Number one, she didn't. Right? Number two, he has progressed now. He's no longer dependent on instrument. Now he's the instrument. Come on. He's an instrument. Wherever he shows up, God connects with him. Come on. Moses went to the bush where the presence of God was, but later the cloud followed him. Come on. You go enough to the presence of God, the presence will follow you. Come on. If the presence is not following you, it's probably because you are not spending enough time with God. If you spend enough time with God, the presence will follow you wherever you go. Come on. It's an automatic byproduct. Hallelujah. So what we see here is that now he's the instrument. He can touch anything and he can use anything for the glory of God. So he said, what do you have in your house? Your pots. Let's use it. Hallelujah. Come on. You can use anything that is there in your capacity. Whatever gifting God give it to you, that channel of anointing can go in that direction. Come on. Come on. If you are a businessman, that anointing can go into your business. If you are a school teacher, that anointing can go into your teaching. Come on, if you are a counselor, that anointing can go into counseling. Whatever gifting you have, that anointing can transfer. Hallelujah. So this is how we see he's progressing. Of course, some people will say at this point, you know, but he is Elijah. I am not. Guess what? The Bible is so wonderful. Why? Because the Bible knows you will say that. The Bible knows you will actually say that. So it has a story in between where he was going somewhere and some kids were teasing him and he calls out bears. Think about that. Right? Okay, I've been upset. Pastor Andrew has been upset. But I don't think we have called any bears. I mean, there are some massive bears in America. Right? Man, guess what? He had anger issues. Come on. But yet, God used him. Hallelujah. Come on, look at the story. No matter how you work around it, some people try to make it spiritual. It's not. It's not. It was just a bunch of kids. Are you with me? Come on, Elisha. I mean, I bet he regrets that for eternity. Can you imagine? When he's in heaven, right? He's about to receive a crown. And part of the crown is that, you know, God reminds him. Remember that? Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Right? Bible is wonderful, isn't it? Why? Because it's relatable. Eh? None of us have arrived. We are getting there. Hallelujah. We are being changed from glory to glory. The biggest mistake you do is that you refuse to change. Come on. The biggest mistake you do is that you, you think you don't need to change. That's dangerous. 
Are you with me? The greatest thing you can do is to admit that I need to change. Come on, I need that help so that I can change. So the Bible puts that passage there. Isn't that wonderful? Right? Why? Because it's showing us he's just like you and I. But yet, he was growing progressively. Hallelujah. God was still using him. Okay? God doesn't care about how many failures you have. Guess what? He will still pick you up. He will still work with you if you work with him. Are you with me? I tell my young people, you know, I, I, my ministry is centered around young people around, around Asia. And I tell the young people, I say, don't struggle. Come on. Whatever issue you have, don't worry about it. Don't fight it. Just come to God's presence. Yes. Why? Because after a while, that desire will be gone. Amen. Come on. If you try to fight it, guess what? Two weeks later, you'll be back. Yes. Why? Because it's you. It's you. Guess what? You sometimes doesn't work. Are you with me? And when it's you, two weeks later, now you got sin and guilt. Now you got something extra. Why you do that to yourself? Come on, why do you do that to yourself? You know, one time I was complaining. I said, Lord, you know, man, I'm this and that. And the Holy Spirit just told me, shut up. Can you just shut your mouth? You know, I was telling him all the reasons why I'm not qualified. He said, if it was based on your qualification, buddy, you would never make it. I said, really? He said, yes. Are you kidding? God is a gracious God. Hallelujah. He's a wonderful God. He's an awesome God. He's a loving God. He's a generous God. He's so generous. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible says he doesn't even remember this, our sins. We do. Are you with me? Our church members do. They remind us. Are you with me? But he doesn't. Right? Our brothers and sisters remind us. Right? But he doesn't. Right? It's a wonderful God that we have. Amen? And then the Bible says, right? It progresses. It's progressively showing us something. Elisha, right? It says in chapter 5, when Gehazi ran after Naaman, Remember, when Naaman was going to give him all these riches, he ran after him, wanting to take the riches. And he comes back, and Elisha tells him, do you remember that when you were walking after Naaman, my spirit was with you? Wow. That's progression. Okay? Think about that. Starting just with an instrument. He learned how to tap into the things of the spirit. Number two, he can use anything. You can use anything that's available and tap into the things of the spirit. And number three, what you see is that his spirit man can detach itself from his natural man and go to a certain location. That's incredible. Hallelujah. That's phenomenal. Guess what? Your spirit can do that. Hallelujah. Okay. I've had many people, you know, tell me many times. I've had, you know, people from other countries tell me, Pastor, you came to my hospital bed last night and talked with me and prayed for me. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I was not even in the country. Who are you talking with? It was you, Pastor. You came and you laid hands and you prayed for me. I said, wow, that's, that's something else. 
Hallelujah. And I like that. You know why? Because my spirit man is still working while I'm doing something else. That is extra. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you imagine when I go to heaven, God gives me a reward for going to the hospital to pray for someone and I never even went? That's wonderful. Hallelujah. Only God does stuff like that. Hallelujah. That's like free gift. Amen. So guess what? Your spirit man, you can develop your spirit man. Don't be a baby. Come on. Don't be a baby Christian. Are you with me? You know, you know, after a few years of knowing the Lord, let your, your spirit language be different. Amen. Right? Don't just be drinking milk. I mean, a 24-year-old, a 20-year-old guy walking around with a milk bottle doesn't look nice. Right? Nobody will look at him and say, wow, how cute. Right? I've never heard that. Okay? They will probably say, man, something is seriously wrong with that dude. Hallelujah. He needs some massive deliverance. Right? Come on. It doesn't look cute anymore. If he's two, it looks okay. But not 20. Right? But you got Christians, 20 years with the Lord, still walking around with a milk bottle. Come on. That should not be the case. Amen. So we should grow in the things of God. Amen. We should pressure ourselves and say, you know what? This is one opportunity I have. I want to grow in the things of God. And guess what? I'm in a great church for that to happen. Hallelujah. I'm in a church where the word of God is not mixed. Are you with me? The word of God is not compromised. Hallelujah. You know, God wants to do something with me. And I'm going to get with that plan. Hallelujah. So be determined that I want to get with that plan. Hallelujah. Be committed to that plan. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Right. So this is a desire that you should have. So in order to change your spirit, man, number one, you should change your thinking. Come on. You got to change your thinking. Why? Because your spirit man and your natural man thinks different. Come on. Natural man thinking, right, is always a bit twisted. But the spiritual man's thinking is very different. Let me give you an example, right? When Jesus, okay, look at how Jesus operated. When Jesus was in the hills of Samaria, right? There were 5,000 people around him. He was teaching them all day. And then they suddenly, the disciples came up to him and they said, Lord, they've been with you all day. They're hungry, right? Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you give them something. I mean, come on. Jesus knows these disciples came with him. And they did not drag food. They did not stop at Taco Bell and pack 5,000 burgers. They didn't do that. They didn't have time. They were with him all day. But Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something. Think about that. Why? Because Jesus' thinking was spirit thinking. In the spirit, impossible is nothing. Come on. In the spirit, Every problem has a solution. In the natural, every problem stays a problem. Come on. So in the spirit, there is a solution. So what Jesus was saying is, come on guys, tackle this in the spirit. You have a solution. And they're like, Lord. And then, you know, they somehow bully this kid, right? And grab his fish. They couldn't get it from the adult. So they found this kid. Poor kid. I don't know what they offered him. 
Right? I mean, imagine, right? They grabbed his food and they brought it to Jesus. Right? And Jesus looks at it and Jesus says, oh, that's enough. I mean, think about that. Look at his mind. What will we say? Lord, still not enough. Lord, we still have to press through a lot more. It's only enough for five people, even if each one take one piece. We got 5,000. Look at Jesus' mind. Not deterred. Not bothered. He brings it up to heaven and he says, Thank you, Father. I mean, come on. Jesus is the only guy that went to a funeral service and said thank you. Think about that. Right? You go to a funeral, stand in front of the coffin and say, Thank you, Father. See if they kill you and put you next to the guy. They probably will in today's society. They're like, thank you, we sent you to. <laughs> right? But Jesus said what? Thank you, Lord. Wow. Why? Because that was the key to that breakthrough. Yeah. Hallelujah. That was the key to that breakthrough. Why? Because in the spirit, you say thank you before you get it. In the natural, you say thank you only after you see it. But in the spirit, you say, thank you, God. I got it. Hallelujah. You know, when I was a young believer, okay, I was about to go to Bible school. And at that time, I was about 18 or 19. And I was praying and I said, Lord, I want to go to Bible school. And I put in my application and they said, you got to show us $10,000. I said, man, that's a lot of money. You know, Bible school is expensive. Church is cheaper. I mean, if you know that's true, right? So stay in church. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you know, so I applied and I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? And the Lord said, you pray, I pay. I like that. See, thank God he didn't flip it. Right? He said, you pray and then I will pay. So I started praying. I started praying after about, you know, a couple of weeks of praying. The Lord says, thank me now. No need to pray anymore. Just thank me. So I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my answer. My 10,000 is coming. Thank you, Lord. I'm going. I'm excited. I'm going. Guess what? I still don't have the money. But as soon as I started thanking him, I got a phone call. And this guy calls me. I've never met him. He said, you know, I heard that you are planning to go to Bible school. I said, yes. He says, where are you planning to go? And I told him the location. And he says, do you have money? I said, well, my father does. So he says, who's your father? I said, he's the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hill. So he says, oh, we have the same father. I said, praise God. And then he tells me something. He said, for the last few weeks, every time I go to bed, I see your face. I said, that's not good. (laughs) And I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? What are you seeing my face for? You know? And I said, what's what's the deal here? He says, no, every day I go to sleep. I've never met you, but I see your face. I can describe you. So I said, what's going on? I said, well, every night when I go to bed, I see your face and I hear the father's voice say, pay his bill. So he says, how much do you need? I said, for a start, 10,000. So he says, in two days, open your mailbox. It'll be there. I opened my mailbox in two days. There was a check from a guy I never met. Never met. Don't even know his name. Only saw his signature at the end of the check. I cast it $10,000. Why? Because God said it. God said it. If God said it, he will do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Okay? You have nothing because you ask for nothing. You got to believe that God can do it. If you believe God can do it, he can do it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay? It's not one time. It's happened many, many times. Many, 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 many times. So, you have to build your spirit, man. Hallelujah. Your spirit, man, has to make that connection. If your spirit, man, does not make that connection, if your spirit, man, does not grow, guess what? You'll be a baby. As long as you're a baby, you cannot receive. Come on. Why? Because meat is only for mature people. Come on. You don't give, okay? You don't give a Porsche, right, to a five-year-old kid. Neither do you give it to a teenager. He might crash it. Right? What do you do? Right? Everything that's given is based on what? Your stewardship. Your ability to be responsible. Hallelujah. Amen? So, guess what? As you begin to grow, God will bless you more. God will increase your capacity. But one of the things that you've got to be deliberate about is that you've got to increase your spiritual capacity. Because if you don't increase your spiritual capacity, guess what? If you don't increase that part, guess what? The presence of God will not increase in your life. The glory of God will not increase in your life. So let's look at a few ways how we increase the presence of God. How do we increase? How do we grow our spirit man? Amen. So you got to change your thinking. If you don't change your thinking, your breakthrough will not come. Hallelujah. You got to shift to spirit thinking and not natural thinking. So there are a few ways of locating your spirit. Okay? First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 14 he says, I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, my, my understanding is fruitful, right? Unfruitful rather. So he's saying that I pray in the spirit and my spirit prays, right? Start sensing your spirit when you start praying in the spirit. Start sensing your spirit. When you pray in the spirit, you'll start identifying your spirit. Okay? Become familiar with your spirit, man. Why? Because every time you do spiritual activity, your spirit man leaps. Because he's quickened. Hallelujah. Right? The lifeblood, okay? The life okay, of the body is in the blood. The life of the spirit is in prayer. Come on. It's in prayer. The more you pray, guess what? The more your spirit man is connected to the kingdom of heaven. And that is critical. Why? Because if your spirit man is not connected to the kingdom of heaven, how can he receive anything? Hallelujah. Because that's where the lifeblood of the spirit is. Hallelujah. So it's important that you develop okay, your praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. That you go deeper into praying in the spirit. And it's not just at a assigned time, but every day. You develop that when you are traveling. Make that a habit in your life. Why? Because as you develop that, guess what? You'll be sensitive. Because you'll be ready at any given time to do something that God's calling you to do. Come on. Why? Because your spirit man is sensitive. Come on. Right? I was praying years ago. And one day while I was praying in the spirit, immediately the Lord said, one of my church members is in trouble. So I said, okay, Lord. And you know, and she lived in another side of the city. So I traveled all the way and I couldn't get in touch with her. So I traveled all the way to the other side of the city and I knocked on the door. And she wasn't there. Nobody was responding. And I waited. And after 20 minutes, a neighbor came out and said that an ambulance came and she was just taken to the hospital. So I knew I was correct. Because my spirit man had been quickened. 
Are you following me? Right? So, but then I had another problem. Which hospital? Because there are 15 hospitals. Okay? And if you do not know about some, you know, in Singapore this always goes on. You know, when Chinese people get saved, they always have your Chinese name and they add an English name. So if you go to a computer database, you will never find their name. Why? Because nobody knows their English name. Okay, it's not registered. So I was standing there, I said, Lord, very easy. You told me she was sick. You can tell me which hospital too. Hallelujah. So I started praying and immediately I felt in the spirit, go to the general hospital. So I went towards the general hospital. When I went to the general hospital, I realized I had another problem. There were 10 blocks. Okay, each block, 12 floors. Right? So I said, Lord, Again, you brought me to the right hospital, which block? And immediately in my spirit connected, block number seven, second floor, bed number 28. So I said, Lord, thank you. I went up there and there was a curtain closed. I waited and as the curtain opened, it was her on the bed. You see, that morning, she tried to commit suicide. And when she saw me, she started to weep. And her question was, how do you know? I said, the spirit of God knows everything. Hallelujah. He knows everything. Imagine if you can connect with the spirit for your family. Wow. Imagine if you can connect for in the spirit for your friends. My goodness. You won't take a long time to convince your friends about Jesus. Right? They will be concluded. Man, you know God and God knows you. It's a done deal. Hallelujah. So you got to learn. That's why, you know, the apostle Paul says, I pray more in the spirit. Okay, then all of you, why? Because he knew there was a trigger mechanism for his spirit man. So you got to develop that and enlarge that capacity. Not go backwards, but go forwards. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is an important area. And the Bible also says, you know, groanings that cannot be uttered. That means when you go deeper into the spirit, it's not just the verbiage that comes out. Hallelujah. It's deep groanings in your spirit. Hallelujah. When there's groaning comes out in your spirit where there is a shifting. Hallelujah. There is a breakthrough that comes into your life. Hallelujah. So sometimes you have to pray through until the breakthrough comes. Come on. Amen. Right? So that your, your healing may come or your miracle may come. So it's important. Number one. Right? You pray in the spirit. Why? Because through that, you will reach higher levels of the spirit. Right? Number two, what we see is that the Bible also, right, through dreams and visions. Right? We make a connection in the spirit realm with dreams and visions. I was preaching not too long ago. And while I was preaching, my interpreter had been married for two years. While I was preaching, you know, at the end of my preaching, and I turned and I saw this two-year-old girl. Open vision. Not eyes or circles, open. I saw this two-year-old girl dressed in pink standing next to him. And I asked him, is your wife pregnant? He said, no. Well, get ready. Your baby girl is coming. And he looked at me and says, are you sure, pastor? I said, yeah, absolutely. I saw her. I even saw her face, spiky hair. I said, it's a girl dressed in pink. Can't be more pink than that. Okay, Heaven doesn't send any boys dressed in pink. I know that's a girl. Are you with me? So it's very strange, you know. So we get into the car and we're going down the road and we come to this traffic light and his wife is like, she's also with us. She says, Pastor, are you sure it's a girl? And right there at the traffic light, there's a sign on a shop. It says, it's a girl. I said, look at it. It's a girl. It's a done deal. 
And they are like so excited, but don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So I left. I left. Two weeks later, he calls me. He says, you know what? My wife's pregnant. She didn't even know. I said, really? Okay, long story short, he has a daughter now. Okay, with spiky hair. I can show you the photo. Exactly what I saw in the spirit. So you can see in the spirit. God can give you open vision and show you things. That are, that is to come. He can show you things that you are going to do. Hallelujah. He can show you things your church member is going to do. Amen. So as a body, guess what? It's not always pastor who has to operate. You operate. Hallelujah. You're standing next to somebody you don't know. Maybe you're their friend and you feel that they are discouraged and God gives you a vision. Hey Amen. Don't be discouraged. Hallelujah. Come on. I know. I, one time I had this, you know, crazy dream. I was preaching in, in Bali and, um, after I preached in Bali, I had this dream. I saw one of my church members, his car fly out of the third floor of a parking lot. I thought, why third floor? It makes make sense to me. So I immediately talked to him the next morning. I said, where do you park your car? Don't answer any question. Tell me where you park your car. And he tells me this. Okay, My building complex has five story, and I park my car every day, same place. I said, what floor? He said, third floor. So I said, it's you. I said, the devil is after you. Guess what? You better ask your wife to pray. We need to pray for you to break that spirit of death that's over you. Because there's a spirit of death coming after you. You know what? Exactly six months later, he was driving on the highway. His car flips in the middle of the highway. Out of nothing, it flips. But the amazing thing was this. He told me this. He said, when my car flipped and I was laying there upside down, I remembered that dream. Okay? The ambulance came. His car was total. But you know what? Not a single scratch on his body. Not a single scratch on his body. And because he had such a great insurance plan, he had a brand new car. That was given to him. Hallelujah. That's good. Amen. Right? So God will give you what? Dreams visions. When you are connected with heaven, heaven will send you pictures. Isn't that good? Send you pictures, man. It's free. Right? So tell God, God, send me some pictures. What do you want to do? Why? Because God is visual. Remember that. God is visual. Okay? There's two words, okay, in the New Testament that is used for thinking. One is the word pneuma. Pneuma is a Greek word which talks about natural thinking, but the other word is dianoia. Okay? Dianoia is imagination. You know what it means? Picture. Picture. How does God speak to us? Picture. That's why he told Abraham, right? Your children will be like what? The sand of the sea. Like the stars in the sky. Can you imagine? Abraham, every night, he looked at the stars and said, oh my God, my poor wife. Right? Can you imagine? That many children. Oh God. Are you with me? Right? Countless was his generation. But guess what? He didn't have one. But what did God change first? He changed his picture first. Right? Changed the picture first. So what will God give you? Dreams. A purpose. Dreams. Right? Of you doing some phenomenal things. Guess what? Those dreams... Will bring a shift. Hallelujah. Will bring a shift. Through those dreams. Through those visions. So if you don't have it. Ask God for it. 
Hallelujah. Come on. And the devil can give you bad dream. Why God can't give you a good dream? Did you ever pray and say, devil, give me a bad dream tonight? You never did, but it came. Right? Because of a bad pizza. Right? Why can't God give you a good dream? A good vision. Hallelujah. He can. He wants to. Why? Because the Bible says what? Young men, right? Shall see vision and all men shall dream dreams. This is a promise for our generation. Hallelujah. So we can expect God to pour open vision, pour dreams into our lives. Hallelujah. Why? Because when those dreams come, that vision comes, we are very clear. We are very clear. We know it's done. Hallelujah. Because God said it, it will happen. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you are learning something tonight. Because it's important. I want to lay some of these foundations for you. Number three, what we see here. Hallelujah. Is that as you are locating your spirit, you got to learn how to identify sensations. Okay. There are five different sensations. Right. That we see in the New Testament. Okay? There are different sensations of the Holy Spirit that you will feel when the Holy Spirit works within you. Hallelujah. Right? In John chapter 11 verse 33, the Bible says that when Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb, right? Okay? He had a sensation. There was a grieving in the Spirit. In the Greek language, that grieving is the word embryomai. Okay? Embryomai is the word where we get embryo. Embryo means it's a birthing. Come on, this is important. Why? Because remember, three days before that, the disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, your good friend. You know, some people play the guilt, guilt trip on you. Right? Your good friend. The one you ate at whose house? His sisters, Mary and Martha, who cooked for you. Right, man? What, talk about guilt trip, right? He's sick. Why can't you just tell him that he's sick? Right? And so Jesus says, Oh, really? And Jesus walks the opposite direction. Why? Because it was embryomai. This is important. Why? Embryomai means it's a birthing. It's not happened. Come on. It's still in process. Sometimes you pray for something, God says, not yet. But you know, we are the instant noodle generation. Okay, in America, it's instant popcorn generation. Right? We put it in the microwave, we want it in two minutes. Are you with me? Right? So we want it now. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Some things have to grow. Something, there's such a thing called timing. Come on. So Jesus, right? He walks away. But three days later, they come back to him and they said, Lord, guess what? That guy's dead. Right? And Jesus says, let's go. Think about that. Why? Because he had the sensation that it was time. He wasn't guessing. Come on. If it was guessing, you and I have a long time before we can learn that. How are we going to figure that out? You have to know the timing of God. There's a something that's per thing. Okay? In the year 2004, I was in prayer. It was April 21st. I was in prayer back in Singapore. I was pastoring at that time. And the Lord told me, buy an air ticket and right now fly to city of Kathmandu. And I thought, Lord, why? He says, I will tell you when you get there. So I called one of my friends. He was pastoring a church, about 600 people. I said, I'm coming. He says, Pastor, there's a curfew. Whole city is rioting. 
Yeah, there's an uprising here. Even if you come, you can only come to church for two hours. Can you imagine? Fly all the way there. There's only two hours. Slot. And I got to fly in, go in, say whatever I say, go back to the hotel, fly off. And I didn't even know why. Okay? So I go in there and my goodness, there was military all over the place. There was riots going on. See, Nepal at that time was still ruled by a monarchy. Okay, for generations ruled by monarchy. So I didn't know what God was going to do. And I, he introduced me. I stepped into the pulpit. As I stepped into the pulpit, pulpit, it was April the 21st. And so clearly the word of the Lord came. In three days, your king will be no more. Nepal will no longer be a monarchy. It will be a democratic country. In three days, your king will be overthrown. Done. That's it. I called the people for altar call. I prayed for them. I went to my hotel. Next morning, I flew out. I thought, man, that's an expensive prophecy. Thousand dollars, pastor. Just to go there and say a few words. Three days later, the pastor calls me. He says, this morning, the king came on national radio and TV and announced that Nepal is a free country. The end of the monarchy rule of Nepal. So people ask me all the time, Pastor Richard, are you a prophet? I don't know because, you know, not necessarily I operate in the prophetic anointing, but I believe a lot of those prophets that were called at that time, they were busy attending conferences. God was trying to call them, but they were too busy. So guess what? He had to find some guy out there who would be crazy enough to buy an ticket and just go. Are you following me? Guess what? God will use anyone. If he can use a donkey, he can use you and I. He doesn't care what title you carry. He only carries, he only cares about whether you are yielded. Whether you are obedient. Whether you are sensitive to the things of the spirit. The more you yield, the more he will use. Hallelujah. Amen. The more you surrender, the more he will use you. Amen. So it's very important that you learn how to yield. How to surrender to the things of the spirit. So what we see here is that there are different sensations of the spirit. Amen. Uh, We need to identify these sensations of the spirit. So it says here that Jesus knew. Why? Because he sensed it. When he was in the upper room with the disciples, the Bible says he had a sensation. And that sensation in the Greek is the word tarazo. Okay? Tarazo is different from embryo mind. Tarazo means grieving. He knew something was wrong. He picked it up. Guess what? The Holy Spirit can come and give you a tarazo. Something is wrong. Be careful. You can go through it. It's kind of like you're driving a car and you're going through a yellow light. Be careful. Are you with me? It's not a red light, but it's a yellow light. That means this season, you got to be careful. Why? Because there are dangers there. Come on, you got to be prayed up. Sometimes, you know what will happen? Is that that sensation comes just before something is about to happen. Why? Because he's warning you, something is coming, you better be prayed up. Come on. Some things you can stop in prayer, some things you got to go through. Come on, I wish everything we can stop. Come on, guess what? Some things we learn from, so we have to go through. 
Hallelujah. So you have the sensation of the razo coming. Guess what? Jesus knew something was not right. There was trouble. Immediately he identified that somebody was going to betray him. How did he know? Sensation. Come on. There was a sensation of the Holy Spirit inside of him. So guess what? Learn to identify the sensation of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the sensation of the Holy Spirit is another word called suneko. Suneko means green light. That means go for it. This is the time. This is your moment. God is about to do something. In the year 1999, okay, I just started my church and I had over 14 young people with me and I had suneko come. You know, I was praying and the Lord says, you know what? There was a massive earthquake in Taiwan at that time. Okay? Over 200,000 people, the buildings were destroyed. 2,000 people, close to 2,000 people lost their lives. And God tells me, take your young people to the center of the earthquake. I thought, that's got to be fun. Can you imagine? But I like young people. You know why? Because the more danger, the, the louder the response. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I tell them, we are going to Taiwan. Yeah. There's an earthquake. Yeah. We might die. Yeah. You know, that's how young people are. Hallelujah. So, you know, we fly down. We fly to Taiwan. And we go to the heart of the, where the, the earthquake is going on. Why? Because the Lord said to go. There was no invitation. It's nobody who invited us. But the Holy Spirit said go. So we went. Right in the center of the earthquake, there was a, there is a Buddhist school. Okay? Several thousand students. And the principal of the school comes up to me and he says, You came at perfect time. Buddhist man. And I said, what do you mean? He said, my kids are all discouraged because of this earthquake. You know, they've lost family members. And he said, good, you brought a group of young people. Can your young people encourage them for the next three days? I will bring the young people from my school 500 at a time and let your young people and you encourage them. Do whatever you do, Christian-wise, it's fine. Can you imagine? So I told my young people, I said, today is your day. You wanted to be a rock star? This is your moment. Why? You got a crowd. And they are coming 500 at a time. You know? And then God gave me a revelation. God told me this. You know my young people? They are all Chinese. Guess what? Taiwan is all Chinese. So I told my young people, guess what? Tomorrow, guess who is preaching? One of you. Why? Because I don't look Chinese. So you are preaching. And they are like, Pastor, are you... Serious? I said, I'm absolutely serious. You prepare and I'll choose one of you, maybe two of you or three of you to preach. You go and preach. You know what? They didn't sleep all night. I, I'm sleep- You're sleeping in this tent and I'm looking outside. They're walking around the basketball court praying. And this guy, like 1.30 in the morning, he comes and wakes me up and he says, Pastor, are you sure we are preaching? And I told him this. This is what I tell him. I said, okay, let's make a deal. If tomorrow morning... You wake up and I look Chinese. Okay? By the miracle of God, God turns me into Chinese. You know, I grew up in a Chinese country. Okay? So I say, if God, turn, God turns me into Chinese, I will preach. But tomorrow morning, I'm still the same color, you preach. And he looks at me and he says, you're more crazy than I thought. And he walks away. You know what? At the end of three days, we had 2,000 conversion. 2,000 conversion in that public school. Why? 
Suneko. The Holy Spirit said go. Doesn't matter. You have money? Doesn't matter. You have talent? Doesn't matter. You have tools? Doesn't matter. Holy Spirit said go. You go to the center. If you go, he will be with you. Hallelujah. He will guide you through. Why? Because you identify that sensation of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So learn to identify what is this sensation. Amen. If you're not sure, check with your leaders. You know, I'm sensing this. What is this? Why? Because he's teaching you. Right? Remember Samuel. When the Lord called him out, Samuel, Samuel. Right? Who did he run to? Eli. Okay? Think about this. Why didn't, why did God not, while Samuel was running, why did God not shout at Samuel, Oi! <laughs> right? Asian style. <laughs> Oi, Samuel! You're going to the wrong guy. Come here. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why? Because he wanted him to learn how to listen. Come on. He wants you to learn how to tune. Right? So what did he do? He let the process take part. Three times he ran. And then Eli figured it out. You know, it's not me. God calling you. Oh, that's how God sounds like. See, he didn't even know. But yet he became one of the greatest prophets. Of Israel. Greatest prophet. How did he start? Learn to tune. Right? Learn to tune. Learn every day to tune. Okay? Become, you know, become nervous if you don't hear the Holy Spirit. Come on. Okay? If you don't hear the Holy Spirit's voice, become nervous. Say, Lord, what's going on here? Why am I not hearing you? Why? Because I'm a spirit man. Come on. I'm a spirit woman. Because I'm a spirit man, I'm a spirit woman, I will hear your voice. Promise, my sheep hear my voice. No discussion. Are you with me? So it's not God, but it's us. So we got to tune. Why? Because if we tune, guess what? Accuracy. Blessing. Mission. Breakthrough. Miracles. Why? Because you heard the voice of God. Hallelujah. You got to learn how to identify the voice of the Spirit. How He flows. How He comes in and how He goes. Hallelujah. Amen. Next one. Point number four. There's two more. Okay. Point number four. What we see here. The Bible says the inner small voice and remembrance. Right. He says in John chapter 16 verse 15. Say He will take what of mine and declare it to you. Right? He will take what is of mine and he will declare it to you. So what does the Holy Ghost do? He will take the things of God and he will show it to you. Right? He will not take things that are outside the word of God. No. Okay? If you, if you look at something and you say, okay, what is this? Guess what? He will give you a revelation where it comes from the word of God. Right? So he will declare what is in the word of God. And also John 14, 26, it says, bring to remembrance all the things I said to you. Right? So, what will you do? He reminds you. Amen. You're a child of promise. Hallelujah. I was 21 years old. I was still in the armed forces. I had a terrible accident. This accident was one of the worst I've had. Okay? Six oil drums crushed my ankle while in the middle of training. And my ankle 
was broken in 21 places. So when I, I was rushed to the hospital, the doctor looked at my ankle. He says, I've never seen an ankle broken so many pieces. You know, and that was supposed to comfort me. So they were discussing whether they wanted to amputate here or here. So they were discussing where the amputation should be. So I was laying there in the hospital, immense pain. Okay? And my leg was the size of a watermelon. And I was laying there and I thought, man, you know, I'm just 21. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my legs. And the Holy Spirit started talk, talking to me. He said, remember when you were 16 years old? Right? I said, yes. He said, I saved you from drowning. Yes, Lord. He said, that night I gave you a vision. I said, yes. I saw a vision that night. He said, you were preaching, right? I said, yes. When you were preaching, how many legs did you have? So I thought, I thought, you know, you have a sense of humor at the worst times. So then I tell him this. I said, Lord, you have a terrible sense of humor. And then he comes back to me. He says, answer my question. I said, guess what? It wasn't one. It was two. So I said, it was two. Then he says to me, if I say it is two, why do you care what he says? Because what he says cannot change what I say. Whoa. I got a revelation. I was laying in a hospital bed. I shouted. I was like screaming. Hallelujah. So the doctor and the nurse ran out. They thought, you know, he came with leg problem. Now he's got mental problem. Why is he screaming? They come up to me and I'm like, I'm well. And they're like, no, no, you need surgery. You need surgery. So they said, no, we got to take an x-ray. We cannot let you go like that. So they rushed me into an x-ray. And they bring it out and I see squabble going on. So I called the doctor, what's happening? He said, something is really wrong. I said, what's wrong? You come in, you have 21 cracks. And this second x-ray, there's no crack. In one hour, there's no crack. He said, you are the same guy. Why? Because we cut your pants. They cut it to take an x-ray. You are the same guy. So he says, can you stand up? Perfectly. Perfectly. How does the Holy Spirit work? He brings to remembrance. Come on. But you see, there's a point here I want to make. He cannot bring to remembrance what is not there. Come on. If inside your mind is only MTV, he cannot bring anything to remembrance. You know what I'm saying? He wants to go through the file system in your head and he's trying to figure out, I got to bring something to remembrance. And he says, there's nothing. We're in trouble. Why? Because pastor said, go and memorize scripture. But this dude didn't. Are you with me? After five years of being a believer, he only knows one scripture. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He only knows one prayer. Thank you for my food. You are in trouble. Are you following me? That's why Moses told Joshua, meditate day and night. Hallelujah. When you meditate day and night, guess what happens? Every situation, there is a promise. There is a promise. About two years ago, my daughter has a testimony. You know, my youngest daughter, we were as a family in Disneyland. 
Okay, uh, you know, and we were in Disneyland. My younger daughter sat on a ledge. It was a high ledge. She sat there, and suddenly she fainted, and she falls on her face. When she fell on her face, okay, her back, this number four, number five, herniated instantly. We brought her to the, you know, to the doctor, and they said they've never seen a herniation that bad. Not on a 12-year-old. Okay, never seen before. That's crazy. As Christian parents. Why? Because you preach healing. You preach miracle. And right now, you're seeing this going on. And you're like, what's going on? You have an option. Why? Because you can cry or you can fight. Come on. You have an option. But, guess what? She's bent over. She can't straighten herself. She goes to school on a wheelchair for two months. She's pushed to school for on a wheelchair. So I bring her to this doctor. He's a Baptist guy. Okay? And he looks at me and I said, you know what? I've got partners around the world that are praying. And he's like, okay, okay. But you know what? You need surgery. He doesn't believe in miracles. So even the Baptist needed to get safe. Right? The end of two months, my wife has been praying so vigorously. People around the world praying. At the end of two months, we received a promise from the Holy Spirit. And one morning, I remember I woke up in the morning and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, he said, he talked about healing to me. Okay. Series of scriptures came to my mind about healing. And then he said at the end, he said, I got this one. You don't worry. And just a peace came into me. I said, wow. I just knew. At that point, I knew. Beyond the verge of a miracle. She came back from school. That afternoon, she just laid down. In the middle of the afternoon, nobody touched her. She got up perfectly straight. Perfectly straight. And she was so excited because she has not walked in two and a half months. For the first time, she walked perfectly straight with no pain. Because God had done a miracle. And I told her, it's not over. We got a Baptist to save. We got a Baptist to save. So the next day, I brought her to the hospital. I walked in, and she came from behind, and I told the doctor, I said, doctor, she's healed. And he's like, no, no, no. You got to do the surgery. And he turns around, and she comes. He's never seen her walking straight. Never seen her in two and a half months. He only seen her like that. He looks at her. He grabs her hand, and he shouts in that clinic, Jesus is Lord. The Baptist got saved. He will bring to remembrance. Bring to remembrance. Guess what? Fill your spirit with the promise of God. Hallelujah. Fill it with the promise of God. Why? Because there will be a time when you need the promise of God to be activated. Hallelujah. To be triggered. And at that time, the promise will flow. Hallelujah. Amen. Last one. Last principle here. I hope you are learning something tonight. Amen. As you exercise this. Right? And then the last principle. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It says, do not be drunk with wine, with dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Look at the comparison that is given here. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but have an overflow of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Tonight we saw overflow. Come on. 
Some people were having an overflow. Some people had no flow. Okay? Some people were out of the flow. Okay? They were in another flow. We don't know what flow that is. Are you with me? If you want the Holy Spirit to work, have an overflow. This is critical. Why? Because an overflow in your life will put you to a tipping point. Are you with me? You create that overflow in your life. That means don't be satisfied where you are. Don't but press for more. Ask the Lord, I want more. I want an overflow. Hallelujah. Just coming to church is not good enough. Church must go home with you. Your home must become church. Hallelujah. Wherever you go must become church. If wherever you go becomes church, you know what? Wherever you are, that place will change. Because it's an overflow. Are you with me? So, you know, one of the things I did was that when I was in the military, okay, I started influencing the military. This is what I did. I told my young people that were there, all soldiers together with me. I said, you know what? Every afternoon, let's meet and talk about Jesus. You know, let's just have a quick lunch. Let's come and talk about Jesus. And suddenly I had a group, 14, 15 people. They would come just to hear about Jesus. And we would talk about Jesus. We would pray. And then we said, you know what? It's not enough. Let's increase the overflow. Say how? Let's come in the morning. Let's be the first one to come to the military unit. Why? Because we want to see God flow. If we don't have an overflow, we cannot sustain revival. Come on. Some people say, God, send us revival. But they can't even handle church one, once a week. You can't handle church once a week. How can you have revival? Yeah. You will only have survival. Are you with me? In order to have revival, you've got to increase your capacity. So we started praying and increase that 14, 15 of us. Every day we would come in the early in the morning. Work starts at 9, we come at 6.30 and pray. Pray for a move of God. We didn't know what God was going to do. But the overflow was working. Come on, Tuesday prayer meeting. Come. Why? Because it generates an overflow for your city. It's an overflow. Don't wait for someone else. You be the first one. I totally agree with what Pastor was saying. Totally agree. Why? Because you create that. You start bombarding heaven. Things will start happening. So we started doing that. But we didn't know what God was going to do. Right at the end, the last day was a military function. All the generals from the armed forces, all those units came together. Over a thousand soldiers. And they had a party. They had a cabaret. They had all this wild music going on. No choice. We had to be there. We were on one of the tables. In the middle of all that party, suddenly there's a guy. He's about six foot three. Stands up demon possessed. Goes up on stage and tears everything down. Not a single person can grab a hold of him. I saw him literally pick up people and throw. Because he was demon possessed. So the commander of the army came up to me and he said, because he knew I was a Christian, he said, can you do something? So I looked at him and I says, I was afraid you're not going to ask. So I looked at my 14 guys. I said, you know what? We've been praying for a year. I think today is our day. Hallelujah. God set us up. Let's go take this thing. So I told, the young, I told all the guys, let's not cast the devil out. Because if we cast him out, the party will continue. <laughs> right? They still had another 45 minutes. So I said, come on, let's play with the devil. <laughs> He's demon possessed anyway. Let's play with him. <coughs> so we stood in a circle. So this demon possessed guy, right? He will ah, move to that side. And also this guy on the other side, as loud as he can. In the name of Jesus. You know, and the demon would ah go to the other side. We had this drama going on. 
Just back and forth, back and forth. Why? Because all these guys, they have never seen this. The whole crowd is like, this is better than the cabaret. You know, kind of thing. So right at the end, I looked at my clock. Okay, we've got five minutes. Let's kill this thing. Military style. So we all walked in and all laid hands on those guys. And he went down flat. Boom, on the floor. Like dead. Like military style, we picked him up. And we marched out. Okay, that meeting. I mean, you could hear a coin drop. You know what happened? The next day. Amazing. I walk into the military union. Everybody runs. They see me, they run, they run. I go into the cafeteria, there's a line, and they turn aside and they say, You go first. And I thought, I've never had such an audience. This is good, man. We cast one devil and all the devils come out. There's a lot more devils than we thought. All of them came out. Right? So I, you know, I'm like, This is something else. Something's breaking loose here. So I go and sit at my table and having you know, all of the 14 guys and we're all just joking and laughing. And my commander calls me to his office. And he says, man, you may be in trouble. I said, I don't know. Let's go find out. So I go to his office. He sits with me and he says, this guy, okay, this guy is not a Christian. Think about this. My military general, he's not a Christian. He looks at me. He says, I don't know what you did, but what you did works. He's telling me it works. From today, I'm changing your job. I said, changing my jaw. So he brings me over to another room. He says, this is your office. He says, this military unit has a lot of mental people. So I said, so? <laughs> then he says, I'm going to bring them one at a time to you. And you do your thing. You're tired? You go home. Then you come back. I bring another one. You do your thing. And then you go home. I thought, wow. And I said, I get paid for this? He said, not just paid, promoted. You get promoted for this. Because we need help. And you're the guy that has this help. You know what? I walked out of that unit from that day. Wherever we went, you know what they called us? Ghostbusters. That was our name. And I thought the Lord would stop. You know what? He didn't. He didn't. I was doing one of those counselings. I'll finish with this story. I was doing one of those counselings one day. And then he comes upon me and he says, There's a cobra. Because my unit was in the jungle. He says, There's a cobra in your commander's office. Go and tell him. So I walked in. And I said, Sir, there's a cobra in your office. He jumps on the chair. As he jumps on the chair, from under the cupboard comes this cobra. And it stands like that in front of him he was not afraid of the cobra he was wondering how I knew (laughs) from that day when he went for his rounds in the unit he would say Richard come you walk in front I follow you so I I became his angel I walk around the military unit by the time we left that military unit we had over 100 conversion Purely by the Spirit of God. Every city, every nation is ready to be saved. Ready to be saved. Come on. Every city is ready to be saved. 
Every location is ready to be saved. You know why the salvation is waiting for? It's waiting for you. You know what the miracle is waiting for? It's waiting for you. God is waiting for you. Why? Because his design is that you become one with his spirit. And as you become one with his spirit, you become dynamite. Hallelujah. You become a world changer. That wherever you are in this city, you make a difference. Hallelujah. Come on. This is God's choice. You are God's choice. You are God's design. So you know what? Don't worry about the problems that you're encountering right now. Why? Because they are petty stuff. God has a greater purpose for you. God has a greater design for you. Your key is yield to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. The greatest horses, they say, in the world are Arabian horses. And one of the reasons they say some of the best, most powerful horses are the Arabian horses is because, they say, one of the most rigorous training they do is right at the end, where they refuse to give them any water. A couple of days, they don't give them any water. And the trainer brings them, okay, right about 100 feet, 200 feet, to a riverbed, and he releases them. And the horses... With everything they have, they are charging towards that water. Because they haven't had it for a few days. They're exhausted. They're running. But just as about, they're about to plunge their head into the water, the trainer blows the whistle. The sound of the whistle means, stop, turn around, and come back. The horse that stops, turns around, and comes back, is the top breed Arabian horse. Why? Because it's absolutely yielded, surrendered. If you want the Holy Spirit to work with you, surrender. Yield. Yield. Hallelujah. Surrender. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's never about you. You know, last night I preached. I have a church in Shanghai. I told pastor, I preached till 3 a.m. online. I finished at 3.30 in the morning. You can ask my daughter. And this morning I went to the other church to preach. And I'm here. I'm just warming up. I'm not even kidding. Why? Because it's amazing to be in God's presence. It's a privilege to be a servant of God. It's an honor to do the work of God. Hallelujah. This is a priority. Everything else, guess what? It's not a priority. This is number one. If I surrender to God and His purpose, guess what? Everything else will come. Blessing, riches, honor, miracles will come. Hallelujah. It will come into your life. Yield to Him. Surrender to Him. Recognize His presence. He's intimate. He loves you. He wants you. Think about that. He wants you. He can use a million angels. No. He wants you. Why? Because he knows the way he designed you, only you can impact a generation the way he's wired you. Hallelujah. You're the only person that can influence your family the way he's wired you. No one else can. 
you are the key to this city. Hallelujah. You are the solution to this city. And your key is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Lay a hold of him. Hallelujah. Don't shy away from him. Get close to him. He's the only one where you can come one, the Bible says, with him. Be so drunk in him every day. Hallelujah. Drunk. The Bible says those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The word led means absolute control. Absolute control. Pastor Andrew drove me here. I had no idea where this place was. He drove me here. I sat in the car and I just surrendered the decision to him. I knew he would bring me here. Every day, surrender to God. Every day. Lord, you take the steering wheel. I've tried it. doesn't work because I can't figure it out. You take it. I will win. Hallelujah. Every head bow and every eye closed. We want to pray. God wants to use you. God wants to empower you. Hallelujah. But your key is to surrender. Your key is to allow the Holy Spirit to become preeminent in your life. Make a decision tonight. I know you are already in process of maturing and growing. Because God's equipping you in this church. He's strengthening you in this church. I'm encouraging you tonight. Go deeper. Go deeper. Because you can change your city. You can change your location. Surrender. You know what? The stuff that you are stuck with is not worth it. It's not worth it. The things that cause you to compromise is not worth it. What God has is far greater. His plan is far greater. He wants you to surrender. If you surrender and you yield, you will win.